The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is uh, seven minutes after seven o'clock. Yeah, we are set to go. We hope you are as well. A live call-in show as it always is Monday nights here. Give us a call, 416-870-6400. Some developments happening in the world of employment law. And i uh, got to get to a ton of that. We'll get to the week that was, some phone calls, and it's it's going to be a busy show, so be part of it for sure. Uh, 416-870-6400 is the way for you to chime in, make your call. Stan, the man, Fainzelberg. Haven't talked to you in a while, big fella. Good to have you back on the show. You know, holding the uh, to toe in the line and doing all the good things that you're going to do. Now, there's some some new stuff that came down. I know um, one of your guys, uh, Chuck, in the office, who's uh, one of the brains behind the operation at the firm, sent you mm-hmm. all an email about some details. I read this, and it might as well be in Swahili, for what I understood. So if you'd like to break it down a little for the common man, that'd be great. What What's going on? <laughs> well, sure, uh, absolutely. And you know, before I even start, John, I can tell you that it's actually more complicated than it looks in that email. Uh, so basically, the government introduced a new regulation called the Infectious Disease Regulation, uh, with making making certain amendments to the Employment Standards Act. Uh, m- many of these amendments, at least the most important ones, have to deal with a lot of the situations that we've been dealing with where there hasn't been a lot of clarity or uh, guidance from the government. And that has to do with reduction in wages, reduction in hours, and uh, layoffs. So, you know, the first thing to understand is that, you know, this, these regulations, again, they only apply in the context of the Employment Standards Act. So when it comes to everything that you've heard us talk about, about the common law on this show, this does not affect an employee's rights under the common law, to be clear. What it does do, though, is, as I said, it affects affects a number of aspects of the Employment Standards Act. So firstly, anyone who was temporarily laid off after March 1st, uh, until six weeks after the end of the state of emergency. And as I'm sure you know, John, uh, our premier today actually extended the state of emergency yeah. by a further 30 days. So six weeks after that, and that's, a, I mean, a temporary date right now, whenever that emergency is no longer declared, uh, six weeks after that, that is when p- temporary layoffs come back into force, the regulations around temporary layoffs. So if you are an employee who was temporarily laid off, between March 1st and today, and did not take any action uh, with respect to claiming constructive dismissal prior to May May the 29th, you are actually no longer on temporary layoff. You are now on what's called infectious disease leave of absence. And, And that's the same applies when it comes to employees who have their hours reduced and their wages reduced. Okay. Those individuals are now deemed to be on this infectious disease leave of absence. That so, is really the most. Yeah. So now Sorry, that so when this when this is, when this is done this you know when the emergency is done and so so long after this now then it switches over to temporary layoff if they're still not back at work. Well, it's not clear that the thirteen weeks you know or thirty five weeks whatever situation you're dealing with. Uh, starts running from that time. Okay. Uh, what what I think would happen again, 
this is a very new regulation and everyone is still trying to determine how best to interpret this document. But my best interpretation would be that if you were on temporary layoff and you were now and the and the emergency is no longer declared and we're back to a state of you know normalcy, then you're back on the temporary layoff. Um, Whether the 13 weeks starts from that point, or if you had, let's say, been laid off for eight weeks and you got the news that, in fact, you're no longer laid off, you're actually on this leave of absence, that is a question that I think we'll all have to be delving into and discussing further as lawyers, you know, as, uh, as lay people, as employers, as employees, to better understand what that means in this context. Because this regulation certainly does not define that, makes no real... Uh, legislation to help guide employers, employees, lawyers as to what is the proper interpretation of what the proper effect is. Uh, but as it stands right now, it's very difficult to ascertain. So do you know at this point if someone, if I am on this infectious disease leave and I still want to claim constructive dismissal, I don't want to hang around, can I do that? Because that's common law. Right. And the question is, if you if you can still claim constructive dismissal under the common law, then this does, should not really affect your right to do so. Uh, in fact, it still it has exceptions to, for people who would claim constructive dismissal uh, from May 29th retroactively. So if you've already engaged in a, uh, in a process to resign because you felt that you were constructively dismissed, this act is not retroactive. You can continue to move forward with your action and go and uh, claim your rights. Moving forward from May 29th for, uh, onwards, that is when the, this particular regulation applies. And again, as it relates to the act, no, you cannot claim constructive dismissal. In fact, one of the things that this act also does is if you have, uh, if an employee filed a Ministry of Labor complaint claiming constructive dismissal on the basis of having their hours or wages reduced, this act says that that, com that complaint effectively never happened. Uh, it's as if you never filed it, you never resigned. Under the common law though, the same principles continue to apply. If your wages have been reduced by uh, an amount or that is deemed to be a constructive dismissal of law, you can still take that position and go to court and fight for your rights. Okay, this is uh, this is brand new stuff, and it'll become clear as the uh, days and weeks continue. I'm sure, like it did when the beginning of COVID started, and all the different rules when it came to uh, layoffs as well. I know you guys will be digging down deeper on this, and uh, you'll give us updates as it uh, as it begins to develop. But um, again, four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Other than that, it's a, it's a normal show. It's a call in show. We're live. Stands ready to take uh, take your calls on any employment matters, COVID related or otherwise. Did you have something else? Uh, something else you wanted to get to for a week that was, yeah. Uh, well, I was just going to do that one, uh, and then I thought okay. we can jump into calls in the week that was. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, let's get into this. Let me ask you a question. Um, well, emails as well. By the way, you want to go there, you can go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. This is a website that's got all kinds of information, COVID-related stuff, as it has to do with uh, constructive dismissal, independent contractors, contractors, of course, severance pay calculators wrapped up in that one as well. If you want to use that anytime, you can actually reach out from the pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It is anonymous, but there is an email there as well. If not, you can use help at employmentlawyer.ca. Um, 
my employer, uh, my employer is telling me that I can either be fired for cause or resign, and he will help me get EI. Do I have to resign? Is that a resignation? That's a great question, uh, and certainly a question that I've actually heard a lot in the COVID context as well, more so in line with, well, if I don't come into work, do I have to, uh, my employers tell me that I'm resigning because people are afraid to obviously go work in today's circumstances. And the short answer is that no, you know, that is a false dichotomy. At the end of the day, you don't have to, the only person who could choose to resign is an employee. An employer cannot force an individual to resign. That is, in effect, a termination. Uh, and again, going back to bringing it back to the COVID context, if your yeah. employer is telling you you have to come into work or you've, you've resigned your employment, that is not technically true. Now, it could be the case that you, by not coming to work, to, into work, you are being insubordinate. And there are circumstances when an employer can actually make people come back to work, even during this pandemic. But it doesn't equate to a resignation by any means. Want to get to uh, an issue we're talking now? You sent me as far as the weekday was about uh, inducing breach of contract. What's that all about? Uh, well, kind of discussing. It's one of the cases that I'm currently dealing with, and uh, I'm okay. sure it's a tort that many individuals, uh, many of our listeners, are uh, frankly unfamiliar with. So, in, in the context that I would, uh, am dealing with it right now, uh, it's actually a quite a sad story. I think, from my perspective, my client who was a uh, an employee who had left his old job. It was a very toxic work environment. Uh, he could no longer stand it after 18 years and claimed constructive dismissal. Uh, part, part of his contract with his previous employers, there was a nine-month non-compete. And he, recognizing his obligations under the contract, came out and you know waited the nine months, did not go anywhere, did not go work for a competitor for those nine months. After that period ends, he goes and gets a job with, with this company's competitor. Just before he's about to start this job, his old employer writes a letter to him, to the CEO of the new company, to the board of the parent company and all of the directors. And, and in this letter, they say that this guy has confidential information in, that he knows from working with us for 18 years. And if he goes to work for you, competitor, he will inevitably have to use that confidential information right. and breach his obligations to us. So, unless you confirm by the end of today that you are going to fire him and ensure that he does not come to work for you, we are going to sue you. And lo and behold, what does the company do? They fire my, my client. They say, we want wow. no part of this. We're, we're not interested in this liability. We don't think that they have any right to sue us. We don't think they have any grounds, but frankly, why would we take the chance? And, and that is, in essence, inducing breach of contract. A third party came in and said, and broke a contract between two other parties. And so kind of just to break that down even further and discuss the elements here that are play uh, mm -hmm. when it comes to inducing breach of contract. So number one, you have to have a valid and enforceable contract. In this instance, in the employment context, that's usually not really in question. I mean, even if you don't have a written contract, you know that somebody has agreed to hire you and you've agreed to start working for them. In essence, that's an oral contract and that is a valid, enforceable contract. Uh, secondly, the defendant must be aware of this contract. 
I mean, again, in our in our situation, we we actually don't even know how the employer came to learn of it, but they did somehow, and they they were certainly aware of the contract. Uh, the next point is that the defendant has to have intended to cause the breach, and this is usually the difficult one to prove. Uh, it's never you know so blatant as to have a letter from your former employer saying, if you don't fire this guy, we're going to sue you. Uh, usually, you, you don't have that kind of great evidence in law. Uh, in the cases that I'm familiar with dealing with inducing breach of contract, there was actually an oral conversation that suggested, uh, uh, somebody's old employer suggested that they not hire this guy. They didn't come out and say, don't hire him, we want to work with you. But they certainly made strong insinuations of that. Uh, and the last element when it comes to inducing breach of contract is that there must be damages that were suffered by the individual. Again, in the employment law context, this is usually pretty easy to prove. Uh, my, guy, in, in my client lost his job, he lost the income that he was intending to receive, and those damages continue to accrue because unfortunately he still can't find a job. And many people actually know about the situation within his industry now, essentially making him unemployable within the chosen field that he's worked in for the last 18 years. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's cer certainly not something you come across a lot, John. It it's one of yeah. those rare torts. Uh, but, you know, this is an interesting case, and uh, I'm very, uh, very gung-ho about it. I don't like it when employers treat employees in such callous and malice and malicious ways. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what the court says. We'll, uh, we'll take a quick break here, get to it. you got to have some phone calls for Stan. Bring it on. The show is for you. It is a call-in show, 416-870-6400. That, and we'll bounce back to the emails. That is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Yeah, you have any questions for Stan? Uh, we are live. We are here for the remainder of the hour. You got uh, you got some time. 416-870-6400. It's only a 723 on a gorgeous Monday night. So take some time, give a call, and uh, get some answers again. 416-870-6400. Any other time, you can email us, help at employmentlawyer.ca to reach out to Stan when the show's not on, by the way. Might as well give you that number, one 855 821-5900. Get to another one here. Stan rolling through an email. Says, uh, Stan, I got into a heated argument with my employer, and in the heat of the moment, I told him that I was quitting. I then left, and later that day wrote him an email apologizing, taking back the resignation. The employer's telling me it's too late, and uh, I have to quit. Is there anything I can do? Hi, can you hear me? Just, it's yeah, there you are. There you are. Sorry, we got we oh, a little sorry, technical guys. difficulties. <laughs> there you are. And we're back. Uh, I'm going to read that email to you again, Stan. Hopefully you stay connected. Uh, this one here says, Stan, I got into a heated argument with my employer and in the heat of the moment told him that I was quitting. I then left and later that day wrote him an email apologizing and taking back the resignation. Employers telling me it's too late. I got to quit. Is there anything I can do? Yeah, uh, there's absolutely something you can do because, in effect, that is not a true resignation. Uh, so, so for a 
at law for a resignation to be effective, it has to be both clear and unequivocal. Mm -hmm. And may have regretted. Our courts have generally interpreted that to mean that that is not a clear and unequivocal statement of resignation. So in this particular instance, where this gentleman was very clearly upset, may have said some things that he regretted, and then came back, thought about his, uh, thought about the situation, thought about what he said, and sent an email that same day saying that he was apologizing, did not wish to resign. If the employer does not choose to take him back, then that's effectively a termination because at law, that person did not resign. It was not clear, clear and unequivocal statement in the situation. What is the time? Like, what's the over-under? How much time can you sit back before you say, oh, you know what, I'm going to change my mind. I don't want to do this. I screwed up. Well, you know, there's as in, as in most things, there's no uh, defined period of time when it comes to right. this. You know, generally speaking, if the employer has re- made some, has relied on your resignation, has takes has taken steps to put in, uh, to essentially effectively put the resignation in through the employee, um, you know, in essence, trying to hire a new employee, put out yeah. job advertising. If they've taken steps to their detriment, then it's probably too late at that point. Let me ask you this one. How much notice, because people always wonder, do I give a week, two weeks, three weeks? You know, do I have to just be nice? How much notice do you have to give uh, to resign from employment? Or is there a number? Uh, so generally speaking, if, if an employee does not have a contract that sets out how much notice of resignation they have to give, then there's actually no set number uh, in terms of days, weeks, etc. that an employee has to give an employer to res- effectively resign from their employment. If, if you wanted to, you could say, and you had no restriction, you could say, I'm leaving today, see you later. Uh, now, that may be the legal interpretation from a practical perspective. Most, right. of, most people feel that it's warranted to give a, a, a two-week notice period, let the employer uh, try to find someone to replace the person so that there isn't a disruption in the employer's business. And there can, in fact, be uh, implications if an employee does resign with an improper amount of notice. Uh, so, again, there's no defined period, and generally speaking, the answer in most situations is you don't have to give notice. But there are situations when an employee would have to give notice, and those are what we call wrongful resignations. Mm-hmm. So, to give you a scenario, John, you know, if I, assuming uh, I'm a big, I'm a sales guy, I've got a huge project that I'm pitching for this week. Um, right. It's incredibly important to the company that I get this uh, account, and I, at the same time, I just got hired somewhere else, and they need me to start immediately. I decide I'm, you know, I don't care about this pitch on Friday. I've got a new job. I'm going to leave. If the if my previous employer can show that because I did not give proper amount of notice uh, that they lost that account, I could be liable for wrongful resignation. Because again, similar to how an employer must give an employee a reasonable amount of notice, the same principle generally applies to the employee. Uh, that being said, usually the reasonable amount of notice is far, far low, uh, far, far less than yeah. when an employer gives an employee a reasonable amount of notice. 
and, and in most circumstances, they wouldn't suffer any damages if an individual did, you know, decide to quit on the spot. But in the situations where they would suffer real harm and real damages, that employee could be liable. Well, I mean, wrongful dismissal is a very common term we talk about on this show. It's one of the foundations of what we talk about. But uh, wrongful mm-hmm. resignation, we, we, you don't often hear about that. How often would you say you come across that in a, in a month working on uh, working at the office? Oh, almost never. And, you know, you, you, you only yeah. see it really in the, um, in the context of, the, uh, of seeing a case pop in. In fact, the one case that comes to mind in particular is a uh, – is a case where a guy who worked for a, uh, an investment uh, branch of, I think, one of the banks went and jumped to a different investment group and took a bunch of employees with him. Mm-hmm. And there, because of the really detrimental effects that happened to the company, that was actually a wrongful resignation because all of them just quit. Yeah. The whole team essentially quit with no notice. And now this investment group has nobody to manage the clients. As you can imagine, there were a lot of very unhappy clients and that bank yeah. investment group lost a lot of business. It is 7.30, still early, still tons of time for you to call in. We have questions uh, for Stan. You can do that, 416-870-6400. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Anytime you can use it as well, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Free, absolutely anonymous, and there is a contact button for email uh, and otherwise on the top of that, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Stan, my employer is harassing me at work, and I cannot take it anymore. Do I have to give him notice to resign, or can I leave right away? Right. So, I mean, certainly what this sounds like is a toxic work environment and no employee has to be subjected to a toxic work environment in Ontario. In fact, the Occupational Health and Safety Act explicitly puts positive obligations on employers to ensure that they have protocols and procedures in place to maintain a harassment free and toxic free workplace. So if an individual is experiencing those uh, circumstances, and they simply can no longer take it. You, you don't have to resign because effectively your employment's being terminated. It's a constructive dismissal. You don't have to be there. The other, you know, the only other thing you may wish to consider is going on a disability leave. If you don't know what you want to do and you're not quite certain that you want to resign, every employee in that situation can go talk to their doctor. As long as the doctor provides you with a medical note saying you don't have to be there, that's all you need to provide your employer and go ahead and apply for disability benefits if you have them. The number is 416-870-6400. It is a live call-in show as it is Monday, Wednesday. got the weekend shows as well. Okay, it's so much of the show and so much of what you do is all about turn, is all about. Um, terms and what they mean difference between resignation and constructive dismissal there's a ton of confusion when it comes to those resignation constructive dismissal break it down well in essence they're two sides of the same coin okay. uh, a resignation is a vol- voluntary act you know uh, an individual decides for whatever reason they don't want to be employed by someone anymore maybe they found another job maybe they just really don't like their employer whatever the case may be as long as it's a voluntary decision by that individual, that's a resignation. A constructive dismissal is a fundamental and unilateral change of the employment terms by the employer, generally speaking, 
which an employee does not have to accept and can choose to walk away from the job and claim that those changes amounted to a constructive dismissal. Uh, there's really two prongs when it comes to a constructive dismissal as well. Yeah. There's the first prong, which is, you know, somebody changes the term of employment. Maybe they reduce your wages. Maybe they've taken away your, uh, you were a manager and they've demoted you. Those are all very clear examples of a constructive dismissal. The other prong that we just alluded to is the toxic work environment. Again, nobody has to be subjected to a toxic work environment. If you're in that situation and you don't want to take it anymore and can't take it anymore, you can claim constructive dismissal. The number 416-870-6400. That is what we use. John, thanks for uh, standing by for a minute there, fella. How are you tonight? Not too bad. Good, pal. What's uh, what's on your mind? Uh, 20 years employment. Uh, How Mm -hmm. long uh, do I have to take to get severance? 35 weeks, six months. So you've been laid off, John, or what's your situation at work? Yes, temporary. Temporarily laid off. Okay. Uh, Have you ever been laid off before, John? Nope. Have you you ever been laid off at any time previously? Uh, Nope. So this is the first time in the 21 years? Yes. Okay. Uh, Lastly, are they continuing your benefits during this period of time? I pay for my own. Oh, so you don't have group benefits from your employer? No. So, uh, so firstly, if you've never been laid off before and you don't have a contract that gives the employer the right to lay you off, you can claim constructive dismissal based on this temporary layoff at any point, whether that's now, whether that's five days from now, a week, you know, a couple of weeks from now, whenever you so feel you want to take that position, you can do that. Uh, as we were talking about at the beginning of the show, there, the government just passed new regulations as it deals with layoffs in the imp- statutory context when it comes to the Employment Standards Act. If you were laid off after March 1st and uh, are currently on layoff, have not been recalled, you are actually no longer on a temporary layoff. You are now on infectious disease uh, leave of absence. So under one regime, you can claim constructive dismissal right now. And if you want to discuss that further, John, I strongly encourage you to call and contact my office tomorrow morning. Be happy to chat with you about it. Uh, Under the statutory regime, with the new regulation passed by the government, you cannot claim constructive dismissal. uh, And in fact, your temporary layoff is effectively suspended right now. Right. Okay. So when that's lifted, uh, what's the, the, the limit, though? Two years, six months? Two right. years is the time, the limit for when you can take an action in Ontario from the time when that you discovered you had a cause of action. So, if again, if you're laid off right now, the, lead, that, uh, the new regulations are in force until six weeks after the emergency li- uh, declaration is lifted. Currently, I believe the emergency declaration is scheduled to be lifted in early July. So it would be six weeks after that is when you can say under the act that you've also been terminated. However, as, as I've stressed, you know, again, under the common law, you don't have to wait for that. If you want to proceed with a constructive dismissal right now, it certainly sounds like you have the grounds to do that. 
even though it's COVID? Uh, even though it's COVID, there's no indication that COVID creates any exceptions to the common law. And, this, and certainly this new regulation did not carve that out. Our, our, you know, as we've been discussing it, if the government intended to do that, it would have said so explicitly. Since it did not, the only interpretation that we can lead to is the fact that it had no intention to suspend constructive dismissals in the common law context. Mm -hmm. All right. All right, John, I'm going, to leave, I'm going to leave you there, and I'm going to give you the number to reach out to Stan afterwards and continue the conversation. If there's any uh, confusion, which there probably is moving forward for sure with most people, one 821 That is number, one 821 5900 Email help at employmentlawyer.ca. But here and now, it's uh, 416-870-6400. Moving on to, uh, to Tony. Tony, thanks for patiently standing by. How are you? Hey Tony! Oh, Tony's gone. Never mind. We uh, we lost Tony. Tony, you want to call back? Feel free to do so. We got uh, we got open lines and room for you. In that regard, moving on to uh, James. James emails and says, "Stan, I uh, just started working for a new company. I've been asking them to provide me with an employment contract for the last two weeks, but the HR person keeps putting this off. Do they have to provide me with an employment contract? No, James. No, don't do that. Don't do that." Yeah, I know. So many employees feel like they need to have that written documentation yeah. for it to feel real almost, right? Security. That, yeah. you know, without that documentation, am I even employed? And, yeah. and the, the unequivocal answer here is that, yes, you are employed. And in fact, you have a contract, James. Uh, it's not written down, but it is both oral and implied. So, you know, whatever you do, you should stop asking for that employment contract. <laughs> Don't worry about it. If you've been working there, you can assume you're fine. The, the number one reason for an employment contract is to protect the employer. It is not to protect employees. It's to protect employers from liability. Employees, you know, I can't stress this enough. The best situation you could be in is having absolutely no written contract whatsoever. Yeah, it's always the, it's a case of less is more, which is counterintuitive to what we think in life. You want everything with documentation and, and reams of paper to, uh, to make you feel secure. But in this case, no, no, a handshake, well, not a handshake, we're not allowed to handshake hands anymore, but, uh, you know, an elbow tap is, is what you want for uh, for a job, new or otherwise. I want to move on to Charlene. This one's a beauty as well. It says, my employer of the last, get this, I don't even think you're this old, Stan, 37 years told me he's retiring and shutting down the business completely at the end of the month. He told me I am not entitled to anything because, get this, I'm over the age of 65. Is that true? Well, if you could believe it, John, I literally just had a case dealing with almost this exact uh -huh. circumstance. Uh -huh. uh, my client, she worked uh, for a doctor's office. The doctor was, I think, almost 80 when he told her in the summer of uh, last year that he was going to retire at the end of the year. Yep. Uh, so she works out, you know, she continues to work with him until the end of the year. Then at the end, she comes to him and says, hey, you know, what about a severance? I heard that I'm entitled to a severance. I've been here for, you know, over two decades. And he tells her the exact same thing that this uh, employer told Charlene. You're over 65. My accountant says you, I don't have to pay you severance. <laughs> well, I, I'm sorry to tell all the employers out there who are uh, holding out hope for that. Uh, but uh, that is not true whatsoever. 
In fact, that's probably age discrimination if he said yeah. that to you, Charlene. Uh, the fact is that every employee in Ontario who has been terminated is entitled to a fair severance. That doesn't matter if you're over 65, it doesn't matter if you're under 18. You get the same entitlements you get based on your age, position, length of employment, and ability mm -hmm. to find new employment in the future. Let's move on to uh, Jane. Jane's got a good one. Says, uh, Stan, I confronted my manager about a discrepancy in my pay, and they told me that I am wrong and don't know what I'm talking about. What can I do about this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so often when I speak to clients, employees, you know, a lot of them don't actually look at their pay stubs. And I'll, and I'll admit, I'm guilty of this myself. Oh, I don't yeah. look at my pay stubs. I just assume, hey, my employer's, you know, honest guy. Why would uh, why would Leor lie to me, right? Uh, and and the fact is that oftentimes they may not even be doing it on purpose. You know, accounting errors happen, improper data inputs, things like that always happen. If you and if you find such a discrepancy and your employer is just categorically refusing to deal with it, you can always go to the Ministry of Labor and put in a wage complaint, uh, claiming that you have been underpaid and that your employer is illegally withholding certain wages from you. Again, as the ministry does, they will investigate and come to whatever conclusion they ultimately reach. And if that conclusion is, hey, this employee has been underpaid, they will issue an order to your employer and force them to pay you what you're owed. Email address we use, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Reach out to Stan anytime, 1-855-821-5900. Lang writes in, says, guys, my boss is saying I have to take a vacation by the end of the year, but I would prefer to carry over my vacation to next year or be paid out for it instead. Can my boss tell me when I have to take my vacation? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I, I mean, unfortunately, Lang, the answer is yes. Uh, your employer under yeah. the Employment Standards Act actually specifies that your employer can tell you when to take vacation uh, as long as they tell you to take it in one or two week increments. So in this situation, if your employer is saying, hey, you know, you got to take vacation over Christmas break and you don't want to because you probably would rather get the statutory holiday pay and things like that, uh, then un that's unfortunate, but your employer is allowed to dictate that that to you based on the legislation we'll get to uh to bill here bill says guys my boss told me that things are slow and he might need to lay me off i've not been laid off before and i know this is how he likes to get rid of people from the company sneaky uh what can i do in this situation it's a, it's a great question bill and i think yeah. a very timely question right now because i too have seen a lot of people and have my own suspicions that people are you know, unfortunately, using COVID as a way to try to get rid of people without paying them their fair share. Yeah. Uh, and so if you feel that that's what your employer is doing to you, I mean, number one, if you've never been laid off before and you don't have a contract that says they can, they're not allowed to lay you off. That's a clear constructive dismissal. Number two, even if you are not sure what your contract says or you can't remember, maybe you were laid off. There was that time that you took some time off. Uh, and you can't remember if that was a layoff or not, then the, the statute actually prescribes how long you're allowed to lay, be laid off for before it's called a deemed termination. Right. And the, there's two periods of time. It's either 13 weeks in a 20-week period, 
or if your employer does one of several things, the most, uh, the most reasonable and usual being that they continue your group benefits while you're laid off, mm -hmm. then they're allowed to lay you off for a period of 35 weeks in a 52-week period. Okay. After that period of time, if you're at week 14 or week 36 and you have not been called back, even if you're working somewhere else, you can claim that you're now terminated under the act and your employer will have to pay you at least your minimum entitlements and possibly even more depending on gotcha. whether or not you're employed. We are uh, we are done for the day. Stan, nicely done, my friend. Uh, you can go uh, have a drink and relax the rest of the evening. Take a breath. You want to reach Stan now that we are done. If we ran out of time for you, no problem. one 821 5900 The number, email help at employmentlawyer.ca. And always, always go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Don't go anywhere. Alex Pearson coming right back. On Point returns on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.